Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and today I'm talking to American cyclocross star Ellen Noble. You might remember Ellen from watching the Under-23 World Championships where she came second and took that terrible off-camber descent like in a lunatic way that was just beautiful to watch. Um, hello Ellen, how are you? Hi, I'm good, how are you? I'm great. Ellen, you've had an amazing season. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's definitely been, it's been a pretty crazy year. We started racing the World Cups in the U.S., and those actually went better than I expected. Um, and I was in the top 10 and just kind of been kind of all out since doing the full World Cup schedule. And I ended up winning the World Cup overall at the end of it. So it's definitely been um, an even better year than I anticipated, like I said. But it's been super fun and definitely, you know, made a lot of growth, which I'm super happy with. Yeah, because you, you won the Under-23 World Cup, but you also came fifth or sixth in the elite out of the elite women too. That's impressive. Yes, I was sixth. I was super excited. This uh, I raced the World Cups last year for the first time. I, I, did a, I did a few of them, a handful. But yeah, to be sixth this year in my first season, really focusing on the World Cups, was I was really, really excited about that. And it's been a hard season. I think one of the commentators when we were watching the Under-23 Worlds was suggesting that maybe you wouldn't go so well as um, Evie Richards and Anna-Marie Verst because you'd raced all season and they hadn't. Were you worried about that or did it just make you stronger? Uh, no, I was definitely worried about it. I think the fact that I had a good result at Worlds is nothing short of a miracle at this point. <laughs> we kind of knew uh, like when it looked like I like I could win the World Cup overall, but I didn't have it like I wasn't winning by so much that I kind of had it locked down. My coach and I kind of decided, well, would you like to win something that's kind of guaranteed? If I go to all the World Cups, then I'll basically win it. But if I don't, then it's going to be a lot tighter. Or would do you want to put all your eggs in one basket for a race that like anything could happen. And I was like, no, I'd like to, I'd like to pursue something that's a little bit safer. So we decided to put our energy into the world cup and it paid off and took our risk with worlds knowing that it was very, very possible that I wouldn't have anything on the day. But I think, um, I, I just had like such a fun couple of weeks leading up to worlds and I was really excited and, and the course really suited me. So I think it gave me a lot of extra, um, like mental strength that sort of overpowered any like physical limitations. Yeah, you really looked like you were having a lot of fun out there. And it was a tough course. Yeah, it was super tough, but I love it. Courses like that are um, really where I excel. So having a super challenging course for both nationals and worlds was uh, a dream come true, especially considering kind of how how bland the season's been. We had very little precipitation. Mm -hmm. So the courses have been very dry and pretty straightforward this year. So to have two extremely challenging courses for the for like our two big championships made me very, very happy. It was such a joy to watch you, although I have to say I did watch one of those descents with like my hand my hands over my eyes because <laughs> I thought you were going to die. It's so funny. I've actually I've heard that from multiple people that they couldn't believe how fast I was going on what people are calling the adverse camera, but I didn't think anything of it. I until I watched the the replay, I didn't realize I guess how fast I was going. It was just kind of just kind of like, yeah. Just go. <laughs> just get down it as fast as possible before cuz like I think the reason I was doing it so quickly is in the days leading up to it, it was it was more challenging because it was it was frozen solid, mm -hmm. so it was like sheer ice. So it was kind of like you had to go fast enough to like trick the ice. Like you had to go so fast, you didn't have time to lose traction. You just kept moving forward. And I guess it wasn't necessary on race day, but I uh, I wasn't going to take any chances. <laughs> <laughs> and you crossed the line looking delighted. You looked so happy to be on the podium. 
And I think I read on your Twitter that you said people had said there was no chance for an American to be on the podium. And that really surprised me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I definitely had you tweet. I, I think I was lucky because I picked the podium right. I just didn't pick them in the wow. right order. So, yes. Because yeah. <laughs> I had you to win. So. Oh. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But yeah, I think a lot of um, a lot of people were saying because uh, so Laura Verdunshot, the mm. Belgian racer, was definitely like the favorite over me for podium. And then everyone, of course, was predicting Evie and Anne-Marie. And so, yeah, I was reading a lot of media, which I know I shouldn't have been. I really should have just kind of kept my eyes closed on media for the days leading up. But people were saying that they didn't really think that it would be possible for an American to get on the podium and stuff like that. And like, I think, yeah, I was just surprised because I was like, oh, it's weird because normally like people just kind of blindly support racers from their country. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, obviously we think that an American's going to be on the podium because we have an American racer <laughs> and we like Americans. But yeah, people were like, no, no. Today we're not feeling patriotic. I was like, okay, cool. So yeah, I was like, I didn't let it get to me, but I was like, I was kind of like, oh, wow, that's uh, that's kind of funny. But I was super happy with it. I think everyone thought I'd be disappointed with second because I was in the lead on the last lap. But Absolutely not. I was giving it my all, but I, I never really anticipated being in the lead. So it wasn't something that I was like, oh, wow, I've like envisioned myself winning. Like, really, my goal was to get on the podium. And I knew that after the season that I had had, I would be hard pressed to do that. So I felt like I couldn't have raced any better. So I really can't be like, reasonably, I can't be disappointed with my result because like, I, I couldn't have raced better than I did. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy with it overall. And I think a lot of the people that said that no American on the podium um, or like that there's no, no chance uh, have definitely, definitely uh, have kind of had a good laugh about it since. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess part of the issue is that like Katie Compton for years and years and years was described as a favorite to win worlds, especially by the American cyclocross press. And it was just mm-hmm. like, hmm, have you seen Marianne Voss? <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's very interesting because equally for years, you know, Katie Compton was was American cyclocross, and now there are so many more. You know, we've had Elle Anderson for the last couple of years, and Amanda Miller this year, and you know, you're, you're Kate, Caitlin Anton, Antono, and you. It, it feels like there's this real resurgence in USA Cross. Yes, it's really awesome. I think Katie was like was so dominant for a while that like there wasn't really room for anyone else. But like Katie is still just as dominant, and she's still doing just as well as she was. But I think more women have kind of risen up to like a little bit closer to her level. So it's been really, really cool to watch. I think partially because of how good Katie is, uh, it's like pushed American cyclocross to come to meet her, like to like raise the bar a little bit. And yeah, so it's been really cool. And it's, it's been exciting to be a part of. I mean, I was, I started racing elite the year a couple years ago. And so it was like right as, as like Caitlin Antonow got on the podium for the first time at nationals when she was like still U23 and Amanda, Miller and I were fighting for the top 10 for like my second elite nationals first year U23 so it's been really cool to like get to see these women improve and yeah I think having such a competitive field domestically um, is only going to continue to grow the sport yeah yeah and, and you're a new New Englander aren't you yep and because I always think of American cyclocross and I think of the amazing Adam Myerson and the New England racers and the yes and the whole of the east coast thing is it does it feel is that how you got into the sport in the first place yeah for sure I went to my first cross race uh we call it NECX which is New England cyclocross mm-hmm. and 
yeah, I went to like my first NECX race when I was like 15. I went with my parents and I ended up meeting this super cool group of people that I'm like still friends with today. And I actually met Adam for the first time because he was promoting the race. We were doing the Northampton Cyclocross International. And he, we were like, hey, we're trying to get a coach. Do you know anyone? And he was like, oh, yeah, like you should talk to Al because he works for CycleSmart. And we were like, oh, okay. Like, and, you know, come to find out Al is like this amazing coach who's worked with so many amazing athletes like Jeremy Powers, Gabby Duran, and, or, you know, and Stephen Hyde and stuff like that. And so, I mean, he wasn't working with him at the time. But, yeah, so it was like really funny to kind of like get affiliated with this super cool and like, very experienced group of people so early on and I think that's what helped me grow in the sport so quickly yeah I uh, I definitely feel that like New England cyclocross love I think the new series has kind of divided us a little bit there's not quite as much northeastern dominance but I think that as the schedules and like series continue to change and develop and grow I hope that we'll be able to come back to like a super cohesive New England series in the future. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is definitely a year of change for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did ask Adam about you and this is what you, he said to me about you. He said that um, you train in an environment that is mostly male, but yes. you push yourself to be equal with all the boy, all the all the guys. And he says that's always really <laughs> impressed him. He said if the boys write something, you write something. Yes. <laughs> and he said that yeah. you, he said that you have no limits, even though he thinks you'd confess that you do have fears, but that makes it all the more impressive for him. Oh <laughs> that's really that's really, really kind of him. And I I'm thinking back to the day when he came into the group with us because everyone thinks that if we're in New England, we're all near each other, but it's it's still super big. Even in Massachusetts, he's like two <laughs> hours from where we are. Yeah. Um, and he came and rode with us one day practicing in like what we call like the secret sand pit, which is basically like Coxida. We have this super amazing like European sand pit behind my coach's house. And yeah, he came and rode with us and like, we were just riding stuff. We were all just kind of looking like me and all the guys that I train with. And I do train in um, like a predominantly male group. We do have, we've had more women come into the, into the group, but uh, I'm like one of the few women who's state, who's been in this group for a very long time um, without like leaving or, or entering later. So it's definitely like a different dynamic, um, but I do love it. Yeah. So he was training with us and I remember he, cr- he crashed on something that was like harder for him. And I just remember like this amazing moment where someone who's been a mentor to me, like probably like my first or one of the first mentors that I've had in the sport was like impressed with something that I rode and wanted, <laughs> and wanted my advice on how to ride it. And that was, was like the coolest thing for me. Like that was like a turning point for me in the sport was like when Adam asked me for advice on a line in the sand pit. Uh, and yeah, so like I do... I do feel like riding with the guys has made me kind of fearless because I never want to be someone who I, I don't want to not ride something and then have someone think that it's because I'm a girl or something like yeah. that. I've never wanted that. It's like, no, if, if the guys can do it, then so can I like, but, and if I can't do it, it's because like I need to work harder or I need to like, I need to go at it differently. It's not because of my gender. Um, and so like, I'm definitely like kind of a diehard feminist in that sense but yeah, having, having such a, it's like, it's a pretty, uh, pretty cutthroat group. <laughs> like we, we love each other. We love each other very dearly, but it's, um, it's extremely competitive and very, uh, yeah, very, very competitive and like, uh, serious. So 
when we're training. So it's, it's definitely made me a lot better. And yeah, having the, having like the woman chip on my shoulder, I think has made me, has made me grow even more. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> American cyclocross seems so different to European cyclocross. I mean, in the same way as I guess English domestic cyclocross is different too. But what was it like when you came from the New England world to the World Cups and especially to Europe? It was really cool. I think it wasn't as dramatic for me as it, as it is for some because of the training that we do. And I have so many close friends and training partners that had done it before me. So like getting to pick Jeremy Powers, Jeremy Duran, Gabby Duran, Stephen Hyde, my coach Al, like getting to pick all of their brains about the races and like having them help me design a practice course that is geared towards Coxida, Namur, Zolder, stuff like that with features like that mm-hmm. made the transition much easier. We watch the races, we see how they p- play out. Like I understand like some of the differences between like when you have to get to the start and like kind of the protocol. But it was still, I mean, it was still a huge jump and it still is just dealing with the travel. Like you're out of your comfort zone. No, you don't have your team van anymore. Your coach isn't here with you. Uh, Like you're away from your family. It's those pieces that like you can't train for uh, that make it extremely challenging. I was ready for the courses and I was ready for the race, but it's like, it's the outside aspect of it that, uh, that definitely like, you can't really predict how it's going to influence you. Like my first trip. I was away from my family for the first time for a holiday on Thanksgiving. And then the next the next trip was Christmas and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So like, that's that's really hard. And I think it's something that the Europeans will never understand because we do Zolder always on Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. So it means that we're training on Christmas. And like the Europeans don't get that because they're still with their family on Christmas. Even if it means halfway through Christmas dinner, you have to go to, to pre-ride. It's different for us because I'm FaceTiming with my family for 10 minutes and then I have to go. So it's, uh, it's definitely like a very different feeling. Uh, and so I do think that having the Europeans come over for the World Cups this year and realizing how hard it was and watching them get results that I think a lot of the Europeans were disappointed with, uh, seeing that, I, I think that it gave them a newfound appreciation like, oh, this is what the Americans have been doing for 10 years without question. Not even 10 years, for more than 10 years. Like this is what they've been doing for as long as the world cups have been going on or like for as long as cyclocross has been going on like it's just assumed that they'll be over here but like we have to really fight to get the europeans over here so i think it's um i hope that they they're starting to understand just how how tough it is but i love it i really do i love the culture i love the racing there are a lot of special aspects of american cyclocross you don't get the same deep relationships with the fans Mm -hmm. but it is like i love the energy of the races and yeah, there are pros and cons for both, I guess. Yeah, and I think it just adds something beautiful to have both of them. You know what I mean? Like the, yes. the, the grassroots nature of American cyclocross versus the professional nature of, you know, you can see the pros and cons or you can just see the, the, the brilliant bits of both. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's been really great to have both. And I hope that I can continue to do that. Uh, I, I mean, I imagine that at some point I will, I will spend a season or several in Europe. But um, I don't think that I'll do that without doing a few at least early season domestic races because it is it is a completely different it's a different breed. And Mm -hmm. I think like we can do all we want in the US to try to make our races more European. But still, the precedent has been set that like we race and we interact with the riders differently. And I think that's good. It's good that there's a difference or else like there would be no value in us going over to Europe and vice versa. Mm. 
So changing the subject a moment, obviously it's the second year that there was an under 23 world championships. Yes. I mean, it must be interesting for you because you're a young rider coming up at a time where this year, for the first time, every major women's cyclocross was streamed and there's an under 23 worlds. And so that must feel a little bit natural to you, you know, that you're coming up at a time of your career where, you know, we're just like two years ago people back home couldn't watch you race and da da da. Uh, do you feel that or? Yeah, I do. It's actually, it's interesting because I'm just young enough where I'm like able to reap the benefits of the additional under 23 category. But I'm also old enough that like I was racing and I was also a fan of the sport when you couldn't watch women's racing yeah. online. I was racing when I, when I won a bike race or something and got like a hundred dollars and like my guy friend who was like in the top five got five hundred dollars you know I've been through like I've seen the inequality it's such an interesting time to be to be a 21 year old female cyclist yeah because it's I'm I've seen both parts like we're kind of in the middle but like I'm going to be deep in my career like hopefully when we're pretty close to equality and so it's really crazy to be right here. And um, I never expected that I'd be able to race like across worlds as an under 23. And so like the fact that it happened is amazing. Like, I feel like I've always kind of been like, it's always like the year after I age out of something that something changes. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's been like my whole life that that's happened. Like, you know, just silly stuff, field trips and junior, junior worlds or something, whatever. But um yeah, you being able to raise you 23 worlds was amazing. Like I cried happy tears when I found out because it like regardless of my placing or whatever, the fact that I got to do it is so cool. Yeah. And yes, yeah, like the second year at coming back, I was like, this is my chance to get a medal. And I really don't want to, I really, really want to push it. Like I really want to, I want to push myself. And so it's, it's really amazing that this happened because I know that it's going to grow the sport, like, because there's really no incentive for, young women to get into cycling if they're just going to be like kind of for lack of a better word and this is nothing negative but pack fodder for a really yeah, yeah 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 i mean if you've got if you've got sana kant and mariana voss who've been doing this for you know mariana voss is 30 this year she's been racing and she's been winning world cup since she was 15 but it's a different different game isn't it when you've got these incredibly experienced women who are also physically stronger because they're because they're older just and and you know and and you're well you're still in the learning phase it's yeah it makes me so happy that you guys get your worlds and hopefully there'll be a junior worlds to follow and a under 23 world cup and you know everything like that and then even having the U23 world cup leader this year was such a huge step like I understand like I think it's funny because some people like just blindly demand equality they're like we need to have an under 23 world cup but like I understand that that wasn't realistic for this year like I know what it took because I've heard like how labor intensive it was to get an under 23 women's world uh, world championship so for them to add the world cup leader was such a great stepping stone they're like hey obviously we're working towards under 23 world cups someday until then here's this I appreciated that. I thought that was a great step, not just because I was the World Cup leader, but because I want someone like I want one of the awesome U23 girls that I'm racing against to be able to wear that. Yeah. And it was big for me to be the World Cup leader. Like a lot of European fans started following me because of it. And it's like it's good for growth of 
for the younger category. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I do imagine that someday they'll have the under 23 World Cups, but we still don't have that big of a field. Even though like we have a huge field for a world, I can't imagine that the national federations would be able to support, you know, across all of the countries, 40 riders to go to every event. So it would be small. I think that like after a few years of a very successful world championships, that will change. But for now, I think the small growth, taking steps towards the World Cups will be really good. But I think that we're at a really good place for under 23 women right now. I'm really, I'm really, really pleased with it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you guys raced the hell out of that race. It was just, I, I didn't know how the um, elite women would, would, would top it, to be honest. And then they did. <laughs> Sorry. <I> <laughs> It was so cool. I was so happy that I got to watch that. I was like, oh my gosh, I was here for that. It was an amazing race. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, think I, I think I screamed so hard at my laptop that my throat was sore for the next couple of days. My neighbors must have thought I was being murdered. I was kind of torn. I was watching it anti-doping with the Dutch national team because like four girls and the coach were there. Yeah. And so I was like screaming because I wanted Sana to win so badly. And they were obviously screaming for Voss. But I was like, oh, God, they probably hate me now because I'm like, go, Sana, right in front of them. <laughs> no, but I think I think that's one of the nice things. I think you can. Like I was I was screaming for Voss because, you know, I'm a massive Voss fan, but I'm also a massive Sana Kant fan. So I think one of the things about cyclocross is you're not cheering for your rider because you hate the other rider. You're, yeah. che- you're cheering for your rider and you love the other one as well. <laughs> well, the thing was, is I wasn't cheering for Sana because I wanted Voss to lose. I wanted them yeah. both to win really badly. <laughs> but I like, I just think that like Sana really needed this. So yeah. I'm super happy for her. And the first ever Belgian winner. <laughs> I know, that's so hard to believe. Oh, no, it was an awesome race. I mean, I just can't believe how every race being televised that must make such a difference it must make a difference to the younger girls because a couple of years ago because someone coming from america wouldn't have even been able to see the world cups or or what zolder looks like or what or what um koppenberg cross looks like whereas after this year (laughs) people can sit not even on crappy streams either (laughs) i know it's really high quality and i've actually heard from multiple sources who have like who have seen the data from the feeds people come for the women's race and stay for the men's they're getting like the same viewing numbers which is fantastic and the thing is is like the racing is super interesting people are really really interested in it like yeah maybe i don't know they're just as exciting they're action-packed in fact i would actually argue that the women's races are more exciting this year because like there are like 10 women who could win at on any given day whereas I mean, this is no disrespect to them at all, but I think from what I've heard, people are kind of getting tired of the Wow and Machu show. Yeah. Because it's like, it's definitely going to be one of them. I mean, now that Voss is back, I think that it seemed like she was a little more dominant. But even even so, there was still like, the, the race thing was just so, was so action-packed this year. And it's been, it's been really fun to watch and be a part of. And I think that we're seeing this increase in women's racing because women are starting to get, like paid a fair wage and it's being treated as like kind of a a viable career option and because of that uh like more people can actually like more women can actually focus on like training and racing and like they're getting competitive because they really want to win and so it's it's amazing to watch like if you build it they will come so if you build a sport that's like a sustainable career women will come and race the hell out of it (laughs) 
<laughs> so exciting. So um, what, what do you do next? What's your plans for the 2017? Well, I'm in Spain for the time being. Uh, we're doing, as you guys would say, we're on holiday for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Nice. And then, <laughs> and then we're actually going to stay here. We'll be here till the end of April. So we'll do two months of training in Malaga, Spain. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to go home. I don't know my exact road schedule yet, but I'm going to go home and I'm racing on the pro road tour in the U.S. with Colavita uh, Bianchi this year. So I'm really excited about that. This is my first year racing like the professional road circuit. Uh, and so it's going to be, it's definitely going to be a transition, uh, from racing mountain in the, in years past, but I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, it's like a great, really great group of women and they're all super experienced and knowledgeable. So I know regardless, I'm going to learn a lot. So yeah, I really can't wait to see what this season holds. It's definitely going to be, un- it's a little unpredictable right now. <laughs> well, that's fun. And so final question, looking back over this season, 2016, 17, Apart from things you've mentioned already, what have been your high points of the year? <sighs> For s- well, mm, that's so tough. There have been a lot of really, really great races, but I think, weirdly, Zolder is always going to stand out in my mind because it was like the first race that I did. I kind of had like a weird, like mental wake up call, uh, like halfway through the year, like right before the Christmas trip, where I was like. I was just in a funk and I was really bummed out a lot. Like I wasn't stoked on racing and like I was definitely not stoked on myself. And I was just like, I was just being really negative and like just thinking a lot of negative stuff. So eventually I was just like, no, no, absolutely not. Like I didn't know how to fix it. So I decided to just not let myself think anything negative. And like if like a bad thought came into my head, I was like, nope, nothing in that. Like only positive thoughts from here on out. And yeah, like going into Zolder, that was like, it was the first race I did after I kind of like had that mental change of heart. I remember I went to the start line and I was on the front row and I just, I was smiling and I was excited. I loved the course. I felt so solid on the course and I had a really good race. I ended up having a mechanical that cost me my position, but I was racing in the lead group uh, with like two to go. So I was really happy with what I was able to do. Yeah, I couldn't finish it, but I was happy with that. So like that was kind of a high point for me, not necessarily the race, but like that's where I turned things around and I went into nationals and worlds and the remaining world cups feeling like super positive. Um, And so, yeah, besides winning nationals and getting on the world's podium, I'd have to say that like that Christmas block was my high point because it was like the start of a high point because I, I feel like I really like got my head on straight and I'm still feeling good now. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. That was very difficult. And it's amazing that you, I'm really happy for you. Um, and finally, finally. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally. What's your ambitions for next year? And what's your ambition full stop? Oh, oh that's such a tough question. People always ask me that. And like they want to know my goals. As the season gets closer, I can definitely like kind of pinpoint some goals. But for right now... I don't really know where I'm going to be. I think like I'm just getting, I'm just starting my off season and then I'm going to start a really big build. And after that build based on like how much I've improved, I'll be able to say like, yeah, I'm hoping this year I was in the top 10 a couple times at the world cups. I'd like to make that happen a little more Um, at the American world cups. I'd like to at least be racing in the front group again. Um, It's also my first year elite. uh, So I don't have kind of like, 
I've always joked that like when you go to a race and they have like a U23 podium or like the under 23 world cups, it's kind of a consolation prize, especially if you don't have a good race. I don't have the consolation prize anymore. So I think it's definitely going to be just going to be about having a good showing for my first year elite. Yeah. Like I said, when the season gets closer, I'm going to have like specific goals. Like I want to try to get X place at this race, but like my mentality about that has changed a ton because I've come to realize yeah, you can want to like win a race or you want to get top five. But like if you come across the finish line and like you raced well, you raced smart and you went as hard as you possibly could and and you didn't hit that numerical result goal, like there's nothing else you can do. So I think really like all I want to be able to do is know that I've improved a ton over this past season and leave it all out there every race I can and just be happy still because I know that like when I'm in a good place mentally, then that's my, like, that's my secret weapon. Um, going forward for like the rest of my career, uh, I'm definitely like targeting, you know, races like elite nationals would be like a dream. It's been a dream forever. Um, and also like now that I'm racing a little bit more in the summer, I definitely like to try to go to the Olympics at some point. Um, I plan on racing for a long time. So I hope that over the course of the next like 10 years, I might be able to at least, at least like make a run at it. You know, mm-hmm. I understand just how tough it is to get on these teams, but yeah, it's definitely like, maybe I'll take a year and race cross lightly and or like a couple of years and race cross just a little bit and really focus on the summer, the summer discipline. But um, yeah, those are, those are the things I think about. I guess with people like Mariana Voss and Lucinda Brand and Katarina Nash, Pauline Fran Prevost, you've got like, there's a lot of riders ahead of you. Yes. Who, Hanka Kupfernagel, you know, right back to Hanka that you could, you know, you've got a lot, you've got a good, good tire treads to follow. Yes, absolutely. If I could wave a magic wand and say, I'm going to give you three races that you can win in your career. Uh, not counting worlds, of course, not counting the Olympics. But if I, if you had three races, okay. <laughs> three, three races that you could, not counting nationals, three races that you could win, which ones would you go? Yes, those are the ones I want. Oh, that is so tough. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna choose Zolder. I'm going to choose. Gosh, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like being flooded with visions. I don't know why tour of California, like one of the stages there mm-hmm. for road. And then maybe like Mont St. Anne for mountain. <laughs> oh, Mont St. Anne would be gorgeous, wouldn't it? Yes. Oh, well, I hope you get them all, Ellen. I hope you have a, fan- <laughs> hope you have a fantastic season and it's been lovely, joyous Thank to watch you. you. So here's yes, to it was great to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You can find out more about Ellen Noble on her website, www.ellennoble.com. And you can follow her adventures on her Twitter and her Instagram, which are both Ellen Likes Bikes. I'm funded to do this kind of thing by my wonderful Patreon supporters. And you can find more about that at www.patreon.com slash women's cycling. And head over to my website, www.prowomenscycling.com, where you can find videos of the worlds and links to things we've talked about in this podcast. Thank you for listening.